to Faith on Fire, the broadcast that encourages believers to ignite the power of faith in their lives. Join us now as Pastor Vince Haney and Pastor Richard Hoyt Jr. bring the Word of God to fuel your faith. Welcome back to another edition of Faith on Fire. I'm Pastor Richard Hoyt, Jr. from the Community Church of God. And I'm Pastor Vince Haney from Raymer Word of Faith Empowerment Ministries, a.k.a. The Word Church. You know, we're continuing our look at Psalm 23. And when I read that first verse, the more I read that verse, the more excited I get. Because he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And you think about that, that is one of the most bold statements that you can make in anybody's life. Not just... The psalmist, not just David as he writes this, but any one of us. That's one of the most bold statements we can make. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I am not going to want for anything. I am not going to want for peace, joy, love, any of those things. I'm not going to want for what I'm going to wear or what I'm going to eat. I'm not going to want in anything. And to realize that, to start off every day, you wake up in the morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. You can... You can spring out of bed. You don't have to get out of bed thinking, oh, man, it's another lousy day. Oh, man, I don't know how I'm going to get through the day. Oh, man, it's terrible. No, you can spring out of bed knowing the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Everything is going to be fine. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the God. Praise the Lord. As I think that was prophetic, you coming up with this uh, focal scripture this week. Because uh, last month was my birthday, and I know you didn't know this. You probably knew it was my birthday, but you didn't know. My wife's on the mission field. You knew that. But she sent me this card uh, for my birthday. And uh, look, you see the Psalms, the Psalms 23. Psalms 23, but, right. but she broke it down. Look what she says. Well, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. That's relationship. I shall not want. That's supply. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's rest. He leads me beside still waters. That's refreshing. He restores my soul. That's healing. He leads me in the path of righteousness. That's guidance. For his name's sake, that's purpose. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's testing. I will fear no evil. That's protection. For you are with me. That's faithfulness. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's discipline. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's hope. You anoint my head with oil. That's consecration. My cup runs over. That's abundance. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's blessing. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's security. Amen. And uh, thanks. Yeah, that's security. Forever. That's eternity. My wife sent me this from the mission field, and I just thought it was prophetic. And it was a revelation of Psalms 23. You know, this is where life meets the road. I mean, a psalm like this, and if people, 
so many times people think this is a psalm for funerals. I'm not sure why. This is it's read at a lot of funerals, and I have a lot of people when I'm doing funerals say to me, "Will you read Psalm 23?" And I think it's because of the the verse where he says, well, "Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death." I think a lot of people equate that with this verse, and so they think of it as a funeral verse. I don't see this as a funeral verse at all. This is a live sheep. We've said this before. This is a live sheep. This is a sheep that is going through life. This is a sheep that is going through life even in times of trial, even in times of of stress and testing, who knows that they're going to be fine because the Lord is their shepherd. And they're not going to be in want. Well, it's like you say, Richard, about that scripture. A lot of people want to hear doing funerals. And, and I always say this. When you have the wrong image of yourself or, in, or of God, you misinterpret the scriptures. You read the scriptures through the eyes of condemnation. And that's what happens when somebody say, could you read this for a funeral? Like you said, this is for life. This right. is this not is for death. getting up in the morning right, and right, knowing right, everything right. will be fine. Right, so... If you don't have revelation of, of the truth of the scriptures, you misinterpret it. And then you think, hey, this is a scripture for a funeral. No, this is a scripture for daily life. You said it. We should say this when we get up in the morning, right. not when we're dead. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we just have to know that you have to get understanding of the scriptures. And I like, you know, my wife broke this down and gave understanding on all the, the deaths that was in this scripture. None of it had to do with death. No. It had to do with the living. Right. See, because there are days that you're going to get up, and there are days that you're going to go through life, and you're going to be in the presence of your enemies. Mm-hmm. And, and as I read that, you know, the enemies can be metaphorical in the sense of all the problems, all the trials, all the testing that we face. Those are the enemies in our life. Well, guess what? Even in the midst of that, God is preparing a table for us. Even mm-hmm. when we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, things look bleak. I mean, all the all of life seems to have fallen in. And I talk to people, and I know a lot of people, and and you may have even felt this way in your own life, where it just seems like you got up that morning and it just went from bad to worse. I mean, it was just as the day went on, the worse it got, and it just seemed mm-hmm. like the whole world maybe had caved in on your head, and everybody seemed to be against you, and every circumstance seemed to be against you. It's in those times when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when when it just seems like the whole world has collapsed on us that we need to realize that we don't need to fear because God is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. And he is there and always will be there for us in every day of our life. Amen. I wanted to focus on you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies because you brought something out. And I was just looking at what my wife put there. She said, that's hope. And then I was reminded that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So, Christ in us is the hope of glory. And again, we have to get, we have to get a revelation of who we are in Christ because we can do very little for God if we have the wrong image in us. Jesus said we're the salt of the earth, the light of the world. And God wants, we're the Jesus' body. So God has a purpose for our lives. We can't walk around like Slep Rock. Remember Slep Rock from the Flintstones? Wowsy, wowsy, woo, woo. <laughs> as, as the greater ones in you, Christ lives in you. He doesn't want you walking around with a defeated image, you know, a victim mentality. That's not who we are. Greater is he that's in us. That's what this broadcast is all about, to awake the sleeping giant in you, to ignite your faith on fire. 
That's why God said he gave the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, to edify the saints that they may be built up to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. Jesus is the head of the body. We're the body. Jesus is not going around saying, poor me. Oh, woe is me. No, he's seated at the oh, right hand the devil, of the Father. He's really tough today. Right, right. And Jesus didn't even say that when he walked on the earth. And he's definitely not saying that now. And in Ephesians, we read it last week that we're seated together with Christ in heavenly places. Again, it's about transforming the image that you have of yourself and this image of the one that you serve, your Lord and Savior, your Abba Father. We're children of the Most High God. You have to have a revelation of royalty, of who you are. And I find that a lot of Christians don't know who they are because they don't have understanding of God's word. They're looking through the lenses of condemnation. Scripture says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You need to get a, we need to get a constant revelation, a greater revelation of who we are in Christ Jesus and walk that out every day. That's why you have to renew your mind to what God's word says. Take this Psalm 23 and if, if that, meditate on it for a whole week. I bet you're going to give you some revelation. See, you can meditate on this for the rest of your life. You can get right. up every single morning and read this mm-hmm. scripture. And you know what? That's interesting about this scripture. I remember I, I couldn't have been saved. I was in sixth grade. We were living in Flint, Michigan. There was a Catholic church around the corner from us. Actually, they owned a lot of that neighborhood. But they had vacation Bible school. It's not what they call it, VVS. I didn't know what it was, but they invited the kids in the neighborhood. And uh, this must have been prophetic. But the end of the VBS, they had us, you know, everybody have to put on there what they learned. And they had me read this Psalm 23. And every time I hear it, I get a memory flashback that I was in the sixth grade reciting this. But I really didn't have any revelation of it till now, 40-something years later. When I used to read, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I read it like this. This is how you can get distortion of the scriptures. I read it like, the Lord is not my shepherd, I shall not want. Lord, I don't want you to be my shepherd because you're worthy. I thought it was too much to have the Lord to be my shepherd. That's what I thought that I shall not want. No, Lord, let me be <laughs> your shepherd. Let me be the poor shepherd. So distortion of the scriptures. Right. scriptures. So. Now, like I say, now that the Holy Spirit is inside of me, he unravels the word and gives us what's called revelation or understanding. And I have a a greater revelation of the scripture now. And again, it's good for every day. Right. And, you know, earlier you said something about God doesn't want us to go around with a defeated attitude, a victim mentality and all those things. That's why Jesus said, I came to get, I came to give life and it more abundantly. He didn't say, I came to give life so you guys could scratch by. I came to give life so that you could be depressed. I came to give life so you could be defeated. I came to give life so that you could be bummed out and everybody could know just how terrible it is to be a Christian. A lot of times, you know, I've talked to young people and their attitude kind of sometimes is, you know, I don't, Someday when I get old, I think I might become a Christian. Because I used to say that. Because, you know what? Being a Christian is no fun. Well, they, we, we, they're we they're so miserable, and they want to do fun stuff, and God won't let them. We and didn't so, let our light so shine. Right. And so someday when I'm old and I'm used up and I can't I, have any more fun anyway, then I'll, go to the church. Then I'll become I'll a Christian. I'll retire in the church. <laughs> and then I, then I can go to church, and it won't matter because, you know, if I don't have any fun then or not, because... You know, I'll be old by then, and it won't matter. 
Christians should be the most joyful people on the planet. You know, we should have more joy than anybody because we can wake up in the morning and we can know the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. And you know what? You know, concerning the gospel, we should always communicate to young people. I I do that as much as possible now. I I related the Bible to young people by talking about David. God encountered him when he was a teenager. Joseph. You know, God uses all kind of people. He's no respect their person. He loves everybody, and he'll use you if you yield to him to be a willing vessel. So, uh, again, uh, yeah, that's Psalms 23. I was going to say something, but I forgot. You took me off there. But uh, we, have to, we have to put our faith in God. And, and Oh, this is what I was going to say. The first thing to enter in the promises of God and, and getting transformation in your life and allowing God's word, truth to work in your life, you got to speak it. Because you just said something. You said, I talk to youngsters or people, and this is what they say. Well, people like to say what the facts look like. And, and us as Christians, we're supposed to say what the word says. And that's the first part of transformation or change. You have to say what God says instead of saying all this other stuff because when we encounter people throughout the day human beings we communicate all the all day long mostly through speech and now we got technology so we use text messages and emails electronic messages but we're, we're communicating and what are you communicating though are you communicating faith-filled positive words or you're communicating doom and gloom and us as christians we're supposed to be communicating light not darkness and so a lot of Christians have to change your speech. If you're hanging out with Jesus and the greater one lives in you, you should be talking like him. Right. Not like the old man. The scripture says, put off the old man. People will come up to you and they'll say, man, I don't think there's any hope for the world. And, and very rarely does anybody ever come up to me and say, tell me about Jesus. But they'll come up and they'll say something like, I don't think there's any hope in the world. Or man, the world's a really a mess. And really what they're saying to you is, tell me about Jesus. You just have to understand that's what they're asking you. Because in the natural sight, we don't live by sight, we live by faith. But in our natural sight, we could easily look around and go, there's no hope for the world. There's absolutely no hope for this planet. There's no hope for people. This world's a mess and it's getting worse. And the things that people are doing, the evil they do, it's getting worse than it was now, before. Now, Richard, let me interject and say but this. we need to realize we don't live by sight. We live by faith. And when people say something like that, again, because I'm a student of the scriptures and I believe what God said above anything else, what he says in his word. If somebody tell me that, and I hear that all the time, I respond with this. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer. For I've overcome. There it is right there. We're overcomers. We're overcoming. So that's how I respond. That's how the spirit-filled, mature Christian is supposed to respond to a a statement like that. Be of good cheer. Yes, things, bad things happen all the time, all throughout the day. Before the day's over, before midnight, something's bad is going to happen on the earth. But we're commanded to be of good cheer. We, as the ones that know God, we're also commanded to count it all joy and don't think it's strange because we're overcomers. Yes, I tell people in life there's three stages. Either you're heading towards a storm, you're in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. What did Jesus do to the storm? Spoke to it. Peace, be still. As he is, so are you in this world. Greater is he that's in you that's in. 
The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. That's how we're supposed to respond to the storms of life, not like the world, oh, it's going to be oh, bad, woe Richard. Me. Woe is me, Richard. But no. You know, you know what's funny is you talk about coming out of a storm. Usually when you're coming out of a storm, that means you're also heading into you're heading, you're, Well, you, you get a little breathing room, there's, and then you're going back. There's always something going on, though. You right. know, I, sometimes it'd be nice. We think, man, it'd be so great if I could finish my to-do list today, and then I wouldn't have one for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. I could just cruise somehow, cruise on and, it just be, and that there would never be any more trouble. There would never be any bad thing ever happen again. It would it seem like that would be so great and that's kind of some people's goal but what you have to realize is there will always be something going on right now as as we do this broadcast you know the government shut down well guess what the bible doesn't say in this psalm david doesn't write the lord is my shepherd and i shall not be in want unless the government is shut down right right, right? right, right, right. he says the lord is my shepherd i shall not be in want and that is always paul says rejoice always I say it again, rejoice. He doesn't say, rejoice always unless the government is shut down. And then you better be in a lot of fear and trembling because this is a terrible disaster. We have got to relearn. We don't put our faith in the government and whether it's shut down or not. We don't put our faith in Democrats or Republicans and which who gets elected. We don't put our faith in those things. We put our faith in the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not. And Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two. Have faith in God. He didn't say have faith in in your degree, in your political party, in in your country, your government. He didn't say that. And again, when you get born again, the Bible says you got translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of his dear son. It tells us in in Isaiah, unto us a, a child is born, a son is given, and 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 the government shall be on upon his shoulders. And unto his government, there should be no end. That's the government of the kingdom of God. And then the New Testament says we're citizens of heaven. So if you're a citizen, and we know when you get born again, the scripture says your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And then it says you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. So I belong to Christ. Now that's got to be my mindset. I belong. So no matter what's happening in these world systems, scripture says being friends with the world is being intimate with God. So whatever happened in these world systems, what am, how am I supposed to respond? I'm supposed to still respond like the Bible tells me to respond. I'm not supposed to respond like political parties tell me to respond. Like you say, the government shut down. Well, I'm going through life like I usually do, depending on God. Right. My faith is still in God. It's See, not I got in... up this morning, and I know the Lord is my shepherd. I shall there not be alone. Right I didn't there. say, oh, the government the... shut down, disaster, go back no, to bed. No, no. And see, and that's where God wants us. He wants us to see him as our source. He wants us to get more and more trust in him and less and less dependent on what the scriptures call the world system. And that's where we got to come from. We got to stop looking like the world. Remember, don't be, the scripture says in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing right, of your that mind. That you may so prove. you know what? You're going to prove. will. Yeah, you're going to prove what that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God is. The, the good and acceptable and perfect will of God is that you be anxious for nothing. Right. That you have faith in that, God. That, that you, you count it all always. joy. Yeah. That you count it all joy. That that you stay faithful. You looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. That's God's will. So once we start getting our minds off of what's the scene and get our eyes on eternity, which is found in the word of God, 
That's what's going to, he said, I'll keep those in perfect peace whose mind is fixed and focused on me. I'm in peace, Richard. Every day I wake up and I, and I, yes, I have some, I'm in a storm right now, Richard, but I count it all joy. You never see me walking around with my head down and I'm in a storm, but guess what? Weeping may endure for a night. That's in the storm. But guess what he said? Joy cometh in the morning. That means I'm coming out the storm. So, but I'm going to come out rejoicing. And that's the promise. But now this storm, all it's done is built me up for the next one. So, and that's why I'm going to look at, oh, well, God brought me through this one. Scripture says in Corinthians, he hath delivered us, he does deliver us, and he continues to deliver us. That's those storms. God's going to always come through. Well, see, He's always you know, going to be faithful. God's will, and it was interesting, you know, you brought up that verse in Romans where he says that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can know his perfect will. A lot of times people think knowing God's will means I need to pray so that if God can tell me to go to China to be a missionary or Africa to be a missionary or wherever to be a missionary, or I need to pray that God would show me his will in that sense. God's will is that we get up in the morning and we praise him. God's will is in the midst of a storm that we praise him. God's will is that even in the midst of trials and tribulations that we have joy and that we count it all joy. Somehow we've got confused about what God's will is and we start to think that it just means he's going to tell us what to do in some certain circumstance, excuse me. But what it is is to know God's will that, that in all of life, that I'm going to know that he is with me, that he is going to protect me, that he is going to lead me, that he is going to guide me. And I love what he says here at the end of Psalm 23 when he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How long? Every once in a while, I think this is why people like this at funerals too, because now they, well, they're dead, and so right. now they're going to go live no, in the house. No, that's of the now. Right. See, I can live in the house of the Lord now. This forever that he's talking about includes now. It's not... Well, someday I'm going to die, and then I will live in the house of the Lord forever. No, I can live in the house of the Lord now. And yes, when I die, then I will be too. But <laughs> I'm in it now. It's not something that I'm waiting for or waiting to die for. God wants to be with you now. He wants to walk with you and does. If you're a believer, he is not only with you, he is in you, we are told. And so... People get so worked up about life and and the issues of life, and it's almost as if they don't really believe God means what he says. He means it when he says that he will be with us. He means it when he says that he will prepare a place for us. He means it when he says that even in the midst of the worst trials you'll be in, that he will be there with you and that you don't need to fear. He means it when he says, do not worry. And we have got to come back to the idea that God really means what he says and begin to believe it. Amen. That's what, that's why we call ourselves believers. I was focused again on, on this verse, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And my wife wrote, that's blessing. And again, as, as believers, we're blessed. And, and there's a difference from being blessed and cursed. Scripture says Christ has redeemed us from the curse, that the blessing of Abraham may come. So we're blessed. And as I was just thinking about that, I was led to the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. Look what he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. I guess, and again, to me, blessed means empowered to prosper and succeed in life. That's what blessed. Remember, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Look at this, it says. Blessed 
are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, shall they be, shall be filled. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemaker. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. So if you're going through something because you are holding fast to the word of God, he says you're still blessed. Look, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil about you falsely for my sake. He said you're still blessed. Look, rejoice. Look what he says. Rejoice Again, that's your favorite word, Richard. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. <laughs> For great is your reward from heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So he says you're still blessed, and that's the position that we're in. In Ephesians, he says he blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. That's the position we're in. We're in a blessed position as the redeemed of the Lord, as children of the Most High God. That has to be your image and your mindset. I'm blessed when I go in, blessed when I come out. I'm blessed when I go in the storm. I'm blessed as I'm in the storm, and I'm blessed as I come out of the storm. Why? Because of him. Because the Lord is my shepherd. Bring right. it back to Psalms 23. Because the Lord is my shepherd. And, and as you read, surely goodness and mercy, God has said he's going to work all things to the good for those who love him. So we no matter lose. what is happening to lose. me, guess what? No matter what is happening to me, God's going to work it for good. You so can't lose. God's goodness <laughs> is going to follow me every day of my life because no matter how it looks to people on the outside, no matter how it even might look to me, God is going to somehow work it to the good. So I can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that his goodness is going to follow me. But, and then mercy. Oh, and, I was going to say, don't miss out virgins, on mercy. And some virgins say goodness and love. Both of those, God's love is going to follow me all the days of my life. I don't have to worry. Am I out of his love? What do I need to do to appease God today? What do I need to do to make God happy today so he'll love me? No, God loves me. For oh, God loves so us. loved the world that he sent his son, even when we didn't deserve it, even when we were unlovely, even as Romans says, we were the enemies of God. God still loved us enough that he would send his son. And over in 1 John, it says God is love. And yeah, the scripture says, yeah, he, he is, love. is love. And then the scripture says he's poured out his love in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Well, it's almost time to wrap it up. And uh, we want you guys to tune in next week. We're going to have our special guest Tuesday. Drake Travis will be coming in on the show via Los Angeles. He's in Hollywood right now working on the, the sequel to the Passion of Christ called The Resurrection. And Drake Travis is the best selling author of Healing Power, Voice Activated. Discover today how your words bless, heal, and restore. And again, we want to make that best-selling book available to anyone who just gives a love offering to keep this ministry of Faith on Fire on the air. So you can send your love offerings to Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927, and we'll send you a copy of Drake Travis's best-selling book, Healing Power, Voice Activated. And again, this is Vince Haney and Richard Hort Jr. for Faith on Fire. And remember... Keep walking by faith. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, we ask that you consider sending a love offering to Faith on Fire. P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927, which allows this broadcast to continue in your local area. Again, that's Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927. 
Please join us next time on this great station for more Faith on Fire.